pray with me. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your word to us. We're thankful that we're able to read it in a language we understand. We're thankful for the time now to gather as your people to hear from you. Please, Father, help me to speak faithfully and clearly. And, Father, we pray that you would, we would hear you speaking to us. By your spirit, we pray that you would open our ears, soften our hearts, and prepare us to live lives that bring honour to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how do you find being a disciple of Jesus? You know, being part of the kingdom. What's it like for you? Imagine you're not being interviewed for a church announcement, so you have to just say the good things. Not what you think you should say, but actually, how do you find it? Warts and all. Being a follower of Jesus can be hard, can't it? When doing the Christian thing means that you've got to be the one to swallow your pride and go and seek forgiveness, work on the reconciliation first. Or the pressure of being the odd one out, the one who believes and lives differently to everybody else. The social cost with family who just don't get it. The financial cost, supporting the work of the gospel here and elsewhere instead of just spending it on ourselves. It can be hard to follow Jesus. Do we experience being part of the kingdom as a joy? I know the answer should be yes, but it's not always that way, is it? Do we value being Christians so much that we would say that we're all in for the kingdom, all in for Jesus. Like these first couple of parables we're going to look at. Those who gave away everything to be part of the kingdom. Everything? I mean, I'd happy, happily give a bunch, but everything? Do we value the kingdom so much that we would joyfully give up everything for it? The disciples who are hearing these parables that Jesus is teaching, they've been hearing a lot in the context about what was going to be hard about following Jesus. The increased rejection that they're already experiencing in this section of Matthew. The fact that not all are going to respond rightly to this great news of the gospel. The work of the kingdom is going to be slow and in secret. And these disciples are those who had given up everything to follow Jesus. And so I guess the question that might be in their mind at this moment is why is it worth giving up everything to follow Jesus? Giving their all for the kingdom. Well, I think in these parables that we're going to look at this afternoon, Jesus addresses them and their concern, which helps us see why it is so good to be all in for the kingdom. Why you want to be all in for the kingdom, which will help us as well. And why they should want to be all in for the kingdom is kind of answered in two parts. The value of the kingdom and the terrifying alternative. And we're going to look at those two things in turn. So why be all in for the kingdom? Well, the context here from verse 36 is that Jesus is teaching his disciples in private. So we're in one of those moments. And he tells them these two parables. Well, he tells them three parables, but the first two, the value of the kingdom. Remember, the parables are like illustrations. They're supposed to illustrate a point that Jesus is making. But where they differ from normal illustrations is that they're only supposed to be understood by those to whom God has chosen to to reveal them. So each parable has a meaning that Jesus is trying to teach 
which it shouldn't be too hard to work out. Usually the parables are quite simple. But the, peop- the reason people struggle with the parables is not that they need to work really hard you know, to extract some sort of tricky secret spiritual meaning, but it's because they don't have ears to hear. The spiritual meaning of the parables is clear for all those with ears to hear. As we appreciate what Jesus is teaching, and so as we seek to understand what Jesus is teaching his disciples, what he's teaching us, we just need to think about the context, don't we? And so in the context we've seen Jesus teaching his disciples about what it will be like to live for the kingdom, the goodness, the hardness of it. And so let's see what Jesus wants his disciples to understand in these parables. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he had found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Two parables with a very similar message. Both show that the kingdom is valuable. It's worth giving all we have for for it. This first person finds a treasure, like finding the winning lottery ticket. And he does what he can to legitimately own that treasure. He sells everything he has because he understands that the treasure is more valuable than everything else he's got. The point? The kingdom is valuable. More valuable than anything else we can have. So it's worth giving everything we have for it. To be part of it. The second parable, similar. The person finds this Incredible pearl. It's the best pearl they've ever seen. The greatest achievement of their pearl buying career. And so they sell everything to get the pearl. It's more valuable than anything else they have. The point? Again, the kingdom is valuable. More valuable than anything else we can have. It's worth giving everything we have to be part of the kingdom. Jesus' point is that his kingdom and being part of it is the most valuable thing in life. It's the most important thing in any of our lives, being part of it. And as an aside, he's not making the point that you can buy your way in. You see, that's an example of stretching the parable a bit too far beyond what they're trying to do. Jesus' point is that the kingdom is valuable. Greater than wealth, greater than the other things we strive for, the kingdom is worth giving up everything for just as the disciples had. It's worth giving up everything to follow Jesus. And why the kingdom is so valuable has been talked about by Jesus throughout his ministry. Looking through Matthew, you can kind of piece together a picture of what the disciples would have heard, what others would have heard. And as I you know, read through Matthew to kind of consider this theme, which you know, if you have time in the week, it's a very encouraging exercise, here are three things that jumped out at me about the value of the kingdom. Firstly, and most importantly, it is, it is that those in the kingdom are in relationship with God. Those who have eyes to see are those whom God has chosen to reveal himself. Those God has chosen to be his people an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe where we can offer prayers to our heavenly father knowing that he hears us where we can trust him to provide for us because he loves us 
and knows what we need. Where in Jesus, God comes to dwell with his people. Emmanuel, God with us. The kingdom is so valuable because being part of it gives us relationship with God. We get to know God. And he knows us. Second, those in the kingdom are those who are forgiven their sin, washed clean, made right with God, saved and spared judgment. Those who come to Christ are offered forgiveness. They are saved from the judgment that we all deserve for ignoring our maker. We have peace with God made possible for us by the death of Jesus for us. The kingdom is the great high point of God's plan throughout history to save a people for himself in Christ. The kingdom is so valuable because we are, as we are welcomed into it, we are saved by God, forgiven by him, washed clean by the blood of Jesus. And third, the kingdom is so valuable because kingdom living is the best way to live. Jesus paints that picture in the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't he, of the righteous standard that's part of living in the kingdom of God. No anger, no lies, no sexual sin, no insecurity that seeks the validation of people rather than God. And just Jesus also shows throughout his ministry that the kingdom brings restoration to this broken world, justice and peace, no sickness, pain or suffering, where kingdom people are given spirit-driven hearts which now live to honour God and no longer struggle with sin. That's what we're waiting for in fulfilment. But that's one of the blessings of the kingdom. The kingdom is the most valuable thing in our lives. Being part of the kingdom is the most valuable thing in our lives. So why wouldn't we joyfully give up everything to be part of it? We need to be all in for the kingdom. The next parable that Jesus gives shows the other side, the negative side, the, uh, why we, of why we should be all in for the kingdom. It's a terrible alternative. The parable describes the judgment that will come at the end of the age, very similar to that parable from last week about the wheat and the weeds. Verse 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full... The fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus in private with his disciples, so this parable gets an explanation. Just like fishermen who scoop up all the fish and then sort the good from the bad, so it will be on that last day of God's judgment. All people will be scooped up from the world and sorted, sorted into the wicked and the righteous. Now this isn't a comment about whether people are morally worthy of being part of the kingdom. We know from elsewhere in Jesus' teaching that no one can, be, can do well enough to be described as righteous. Rather, the thing that will distinguish the good fish from the bad the righteous from the wicked, is what Jesus has been telling people throughout this time, listening to him. 
listening to Jesus and following him is what makes you a good fish. It's not a comment about your heart before you're in the kingdom. But just like last week, it's a very horrible picture, isn't it? The place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. For those who don't listen to Jesus, don't follow him, there will be deep regret and sadness knowing that you didn't respond to God as you should have and the regret of that. And so, because you didn't respond rightly to Jesus, you are handed over to God for judgment, a judgment we deserve for our sin and we experience the distress and misery of that. You don't want to be outside the kingdom, friends. This parable reminds the disciples and us of why we want to, we need to be all in for the kingdom because the terrible alternative does not bear thinking about. If you're not yet part of the kingdom, please hear me. Hear me. You are in grave danger. You need to see that this is the future that you are hurtling towards. You don't want to be a bad fish thrown into the fire of God's judgment. You need to listen to Jesus, to come to him for forgiveness. Give all you have to follow him and be spared this judgment. Knowing that in him you have all the treasures of the kingdom that we heard about before. If you're not yet part of the kingdom, please listen to Jesus and follow him. We need to be all in for the kingdom. The kingdom is the most valuable thing in this world and its alternative is too awful to even consider. And so it's worth giving our all to be part of the kingdom. So as we consider what that might look like for us in the day-to-day, two questions. What are we holding on to more strongly than following Jesus? And how can we keep this wonderful view of the kingdom in mind as we go about the day-to-day? So firstly, what are we holding on to more strongly than Jesus? What is holding us back from being all in with Jesus? And probably this is diagnosed by where we spend our time, what we spend our money on, where we go to when we're feeling stressed, tired or sad. What's our immediate thought? What impacts the decisions that we make? Do we hold back from being all in for Jesus, for letting him shape all aspects of our lives because we don't want to seem like that crazy person at work? Or perhaps we worry it will impact our career prospects if we don't work weekends like others because we've decided that Jesus is more important and so we've got those commitments on the weekend for church. Or are we making decisions for ourselves as, or for our kids based on what the world around us deems as important or what our families think we should do. Rather, going all in for Jesus and stop seeking the approval of the world, the approval even of family, loving as they may be, rather making decisions that honour God with our time and with our lives. We need to get rid of all that binds so that we can cling to Christ. His kingdom is more valuable than all these other things. And second, how can we keep this big view of the kingdom in mind throughout the week? 
throughout day to day? Well, it's a simple one, isn't it? Let your mind be renewed by God's word. Spend time in it. Be reminded of the great truths of the gospel again and again so they just live in your brain. Like the lyrics of songs that you either want to be in there or you don't want to be in there. The truths of the gospel, let them ring in out in your mind as you walk through life in the week. I get to call God Father. I'm accepted and valued by God in Christ. I'm washed clean and no, need to, no longer need to feel guilty and unworthy. I am part of a great family that God has given me. And I know that when Jesus returns, he'll restore all things to how they should be. Keep remembering the truths we have in God's word as we engage in the day to day to remind ourselves of the kingdom that we're part of, the kingdom that's coming. We should be all in for the kingdom because it is the most valuable thing in the world. This is what Jesus wanted his disciples to know. But I think that these parables were not only supposed to encourage them but were to get them to act as well. I mean, of course, when we think about this parable of the net, the obvious other reaction is to want to see as many people as possible become good fish, to get others to listen to Jesus and to follow him. And that's what I think the last thing that Jesus talks about is about, sharing the treasure of the kingdom. He has these last uh, comments to his disciples in verse 51-52, where he talks about this teacher of the law, compares him to a house owner. Verse 51. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Alright, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Right, let's keep going. No, um, who's Jesus talking about when he's talking about the teacher of the law? What are these treasures that are new and old? Well, those who are teachers of the law are those who understand the Old Testament law and scriptures, who understand God's revelation to his people that they have in the Jewish scriptures. Now, teachers of the law can be this specific term for people who are called like scribes, that is, Jewish leaders who are experts in the law, but I think it's broader than that. And I'll explain why I think that in a moment. But the people that Jesus is talking about is not just those who are Old Testament law experts, but it's that those who have been now instructed in the kingdom. And I think this is describing those who've become disciples of Jesus. This group that Jesus is describing, describing are disciples of Jesus who know the Old Testament scriptures. Those who see that Jesus brings the fulfilment of the Old Testament promises about the kingdom. He's the fulfilment of them. And they're compared to this homeowner who brings out treasures. The homeowner is not someone like, you know, with a three-bed house and a mortgage, but a landowner. So think like farm owner. And so I think bringing out things is bringing out things for the community that he supports. It's not just, I guess, having a garage sale on your lawn or something like this. And the, the homeowner shares treasures with others by bringing them out, both old things and new things. So what are the old and new treasures? Well, in the context, as it relates to this teacher of the law, 
who now follows Jesus. These treasures are both the old, the truth about the kingdom that God has promised in his Old Testament, and the new, the kingdom fulfilled in the ministry of Jesus. The old treasures of God's revelation to his people in the Old Testament and the new, the fulfilment of that in Jesus. These people, these teachers, are those who both understand the rich Old Testament history and the promises of God to his people and they see that that was all fulfilled in Christ. And so the Old Testament contains all these treasures as it finds new understanding, fulfilled understanding in Christ. Old treasures are new. And knowing these treasures, they're able to share them with others. Sharing the truth of the kingdom, the the wonderful news of the kingdom found in both the Old Testament and in Jesus' ministry. But I don't think that these new teachers, these experts in the Old Testament law who are now disciples, refers to Jewish scribes who've become Christians. And I think that's because of the question that that is because of the question that Jesus asks his disciples just before this. Do you understand? Yes, they say. Though we might question how much they really understand, as you know, the narrative will go on. The way it's presented here means I think we should take them at their word. They do understand. They understand that the kingdom is valuable and they're going to stick with Jesus. They understand that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. Peter will declare that in chapter 16. They understand that Jesus is the fulfilment of God's promises throughout history. And because they understand, they are those who can share what they know with others. Though they're not strictly teachers of the law in that kind of formal sense, they are those who teach the treasures of Jesus, the treasures of the gospel, both old as it's revealed in the Old Testament and new as it's fulfilled in Jesus' ministry. And that's what Jesus' disciples do, isn't it? Jesus' disciples are those who bring both old and new treasures out as they teach the gospel to people. They show who Jesus is and what he's come to do in light of the rich Old Testament promises of him. And we have their we have that teaching in our New Testaments. This is what the Gospel of Matthew does, doesn't it? Bringing out Old Testament quotes and showing how Jesus is the fulfilment. It's what all the other apostles teach. We have this teaching, this treasure, the apostolic teaching. The New Testament that teaches us about Jesus and his kingdom as the end point of God's plans and purposes throughout history. The Gospel understood with its Old Testament background. And not only have they shared the treasure of the gospel with us, we too understand and we can use their teaching to share the gospel with others. We're often worried that we just don't know all the answers when it comes to talking about Jesus. But if we understand enough to follow him, we understand enough to tell others. Sure, we might need some help in being able to share it in a concise way. But we have the treasure of the gospel and we are able to share it. And so as we consider just how valuable God's kingdom is, how important it is for people to listen to Jesus and be saved, we need to share that treasure with others. Perhaps it's maybe just making sure we've got a concise 
simple way of explaining it. You know, maybe you kind of go, I, I know I trust it, but I don't know how to get it concisely. Well, practice. We did some training last year with this Share the Gospel book. I've got some on my shelf. You can buy one and prepare for what you might say. Perhaps you're kind of going, well, I, I sort of know what I say, but I don't, don't ever have those opportunities. Well, pray for them. Pray that God will give you the opportunities. Plan for them. Engineer them. Use them. Perhaps you kind of go, you look around at who's in your life and you go, well, I don't know if I've got anyone I could be sharing the gospel with. Well, pray that God would bring those people in. Make changes in life. Create more space in the things that you're already doing rather than trying to cram as many things in as possible so that you can connect with people and get to know them in all those little areas that you're already in. Being part of the kingdom of Jesus, following Jesus, is the most valuable and important thing that we can do in this world. And so let's, as we live it out, we need to remember the joy that it is of being in restored relationship with God, the God of the universe, who loves us, who saves us. Let's remember that there are people who are not yet part of the kingdom. They really need to be. For a day is coming when they will regret not following Jesus. And so let's get out there and share the treasure of the gospel that we have with people. Let's pray that we would do this. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to welcome us, sinners, to be your kingdom people, to be your family. Help us to be ever amazed at the incredible value of being part of your kingdom. Please help us not to lose sight of the goodness of being a follower of Jesus and help us to share that good news with others. We pray as we talk with others that you would give them eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to respond to how valuable your kingdom is and that they would give their lives to follow you. Amen.